I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I can follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worship and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mowed the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, a Sons of Saturday podcast. My name is Pete Berthod, and I am your host today, and I'm flying solo today, actually. Robbie is on a little bit of an overseas vacation, so we're wish, we'll wish him a good time, but we're going to miss him today because I'm actually recording during the day. So that's why there's no under the influence. The only influence I'm under, a little bit of coffee here. There's a lot going on. So I wanted to hop on here, do a little realignment talk, do a little fall camp uh, preseason talk, uh, coaching interviews that have been happening and the ACC media days and preseason media poll and all that came out. So we're going to get into all that. I'll take a little sip of this as a cheers, but cheers to fall camp starting. Mm. I'm going to just start with the realignment stuff because this Colorado to the big 12 thing kicked off another round of rumors flying once again there. This is all because the media deal with PAC 12 never got done. And so they just did a proposal to the teams a couple days ago. It's an Apple proposal, a streaming and regular traditional cable kind of tie-ins going on. But even if they were to hit certain incentive structure thresholds, you're only going to get it to about $20 million per school in this Pac-12 deal. So now the thing is, will the Arizona schools bounce? And they're basically holding the fate of the Pac-12 in their hands, them and, and Utah, but all of the teams need to accept it. However, there's been a lot of smoke around the idea of Arizona heading to the Big 12. Uh, one, that would make them a premier basketball conference, adding them to Kansas and Baylor and TCU. And I mean, the list goes on. It's, it's a very good basketball conference. So um, maybe they would add Gonzaga as a basketball only. Maybe they'd bring in UConn, the, the recent national champs, but uh, it would be a basketball power move, but we know everything revolves around football. So that'll be interesting to see because the demise of the PAC 12 is something that the big 10 is kind of ready to pounce on. They, so I was hearing somewhere it was Bud Elliott or Nicole Auerbach that they they don't want to be responsible for the Pac-12 falling apart, having any kind of like hand in that. But if it were to happen, which it looks like it might, they will be adding some schools, maybe Stanford, um, maybe Washington, maybe Oregon, you know, what whatever. I mean, you've we've all heard the rumors and we're all kind of waiting to see what happens there. And it does seem inevitable that the pack 12 will become a pack nine or a pack eight or just cease to exist altogether. But we're going to have to wait a few more days or a few more weeks to, to see there. Now the big 10 going after those pack 12 schools makes a lot of sense because they added USC and UCLA 
to give them a natural regional rival would make too much sense and just ease the burden of their travel and everything else. So they will be adding some Pac-12 schools, I would say. That's almost a certainty. Um, And then we had the talk about FSU and them getting all ornery again about revenue sharing and this ACC deal is no good, which they signed just a few years ago, um, along with the rest of the teams that somehow signed a deal till 2036 for television rights, which I couldn't imagine a more stupid thing in this day and age with how fast things are changing. But that's what the ACC did. And this is where we are. And FSU doesn't like it. They're, they're the loudest person in the conference yelling about it. So a few days before at media days, there was talk about this. It's heated up just this past week, but at media days, you know, Jim Phillips, after the Northwestern thing was dodged because it's a legal case, uh, he said they're going to try to bridge the gap money-wise in certain ways, but there was no tangible way they're going to do that. Uh, But, you know, how how much they've won was brought up. Uh, Money isn't everything. What are we chasing, success or money kind of stuff? He brought all that up. And Billy Ray talked about this on a Sons of Saturday pod that making the gap up money-wise just really isn't possible right now. You need a seismic change in order to make this gap up. Now you can do your own school revenue growth and Whit Babcock's, that's what he does. He He's a fundraiser, right? And so we've done Reach for Excellence. We've done Keep Jumping and we're staying competitive in NIL and whatnot, but it's not to the tune of $30 million a year. And so that's what FSU was griping about. I don't think the CW deal that just came out <laughs> made made anyone too excited. That's a 13-game deal produced by Raycom, but aired on the CW, you know, right behind Charmed and Smallville and all the other quality CW products. But yeah, that turned into a little bit of a joke. But at the same time, we got to take what we can get at this point. We signed a bad deal with ESPN um, and... And we're living with it. Now, to go back to the FSU buzz about leaving, it does, it is starting to seem more and more inevitable. And that if it's going to happen by 2024, you know, next season, they would have to announce by 815. That's a that's a deadline that people are tossing around, August 15th. Uh, I don't know how set in stone that deadline is. We're talking about contracts that are going to be broken anyway. So what's a deadline? But if it were to happen for 2024, it would have to happen relatively soon. They had multiple admins and trustees all out front talking about this. And the, the even their president was out there saying, and this is a quote, staying the ACC under the current situation is hard for us to figure out. And that at some point they will have to, quote unquote, consider very seriously leaving the ACC unless there were radical change. Then you had Drew Weatherford, out there saying, it's not a matter of if we leave, but how and when we leave. And I think right after media days, there was a little bit of commentary on the grant of rights because that's that's the big thing. And one FSU person was quoted as saying, that document is well understood and will not be an impediment to us leaving. So you've got you've got a lot of cage rattling by FSU, a lot of it, because they know they're at this point, we know they want to leave. And so we're not going to do any kind of revenue share. I thought that was basically off the table anyway, besides that little postseason thing they talked about uh, that me and, me and Rob discussed. Uh, but that's a that's a pittance. We're, like, we're not giving them an extra chunk of the TV money just because they're FSU. Like <laughs> they don't deserve it any more than Clemson. And 
quite frankly, if they're going to leave, why are we going to bend to any of their will? So let them rattle the cage. Let them be angry. We all know the, the deal is untenable long term. We know that. And so maybe FSU does get the lawyers. They, they have the money. They have the desire. They have the will to get out of the conference. So let them bring the pain. Let them negotiate the exit fee, which is 120 to 150 million plus their home TV rights for the next 13 years. So say they do that negotiation. They get the lawyers. They get out of the grant of rights. They pay their exit fee. It's probably going to be around 100 plus million, right? And so if the other teams are still sitting there in the ACC, if the ACC is still existing, that's a nice little payday. And then you can you can sit with that little chunk of change making up the gap until the next domino falls. That's that's where I'm at. And the next domino will probably be Clemson or UNC or UVA or us getting invited to the Big Ten. I mean, who really knows? But you kind of need uh, someone to, to lead the charge here and take the brunt of it. And then we can see where we're at. Because at the end of the day, I said this on Twitter, VT is while not a desirable school to move the needle when we're locked into the ACC, but if all hell breaks loose, we are desirable. We are, as Brent Brent Pry put it in uh, ACC Media Days, the flagship program in the state. And I'll talk about that in a minute. So we will find a decent landing spot if we were out of this deal. Now, I don't know if that decent landing spot would be you know, a big 12, $31 million a year TV deal. But I do think we would find good football schools. Maybe we'd get an invite from the SEC or the Big Ten. And we'd have a future in the sport, a, a, a very good competitive future, especially if we've got this current leadership that really feels the importance of football, at least at this point. Um, Brent Pry and Whit Babcock seem to be on the same page with regard to that. So I'll leave the realignment talk there. There will probably be more to come. And I, I can't wait to talk about this with Robbie in a couple of weeks. But uh, but yeah, let's move on to Hokies Media Day. I just got a couple of reflections. The biggest thing to come out was that the flagship program in the state comment. And I think also Fuga's comment that VT is back and the lunch pail is back, which, listen, after a three and eight year, both of those those comments could get an eye roll, particularly uh, the Fuga comment, because we are not back. We, we We need to prove that we can go to a bowl before we are back. The defense needs to prove it's a top 25 unit before they can be back, before the lunch pail is back. But the flagship program thing, it's, it is particularly hilarious based on what happened last season. And then you had Tony Elliott's response was a little tepid, not, not quite like, you know, a punch back, but, uh, but we're talking about two schools that won three wins. So it's, it's the meme of, these two girls are having a mid off. Like that is, that's what's happening right now with this flagship comment, especially in a season that we just came off of losing to ODU, a team in the state. So we got to play better. Um, I still, I still kind of think it's true, right? I mean, even if it's kind of silly based on what happened last year, it is kind of true. Like we have the most TV interest when it comes to a football game. I think the most eyes are on a Virginia Tech game. You know, if it was the same opponent playing any team in the state, we're going to have the most eyes watching that game. So I'll I'll stick with Pry on that one. And I did love how the UVA fans are just all over Tony Elliott. He can't do a damn thing right right now. And um, and I would have expected a little bit more fire back. But like when you've lost, what is it like 20 out of 21 games to us? Like, what are you going to say? So 
let's move. Uh, I want to actually get to the preseason polls now. But before we do that, I talked about coffee earlier. We've got a new sponsor on the podcast. The 2D podcast is brought to you by Compass Coffee. With 16 locations in D.C. and Northern Virginia, Compass is quickly becoming the go-to cup of joe in our nation's capital. Compass was founded by two Marines back in 2014, and their goal was simple. Make the best cup of coffee, one that points you in the right direction at the start of your day, every day, like a compass. Right now, they're offering our listeners 20% off their first order using the code 2DeepVT. That's 2DeepVT, all one word. So go to their site or download the app. They've got a nice Compass Coffee app and load up your cart because you're going to get 20% off that order. Even if you don't live near DC, they'll ship the coffee right to your door. Just use code 2DeepVT for 20% off that large order. Compass Coffee, great coffee, doesn't have to be complicated. All right, the preseason media poll. Clemson was one, which I was a little surprised about. Maybe not that they were one, but that they got 103 first place votes and Florida State, who was two, only had 67 first place votes. So old habits die hard, even though I think FSU is really damn good and probably going to win the conference. They were a significant margin behind Clemson in terms of the first place voting. UNC was third. They got five first place votes and NC State was fourth with one first place vote. Behind them was Miami at five. And then if you want to get down to VT, we were number 11 ahead of GT, BC, and UVA bringing up the rear in that order, GT, BC, and UVA. So VT sitting at number 11, not terribly surprising. However, in this conference, I do think that, and I may even throw GT in here, like four to 12. There is just no way to handicap that. I think Louisville will be pretty high and I, I might have put them in that fifth spot, mainly because their schedule's easy, not because I think Jeff Brom's going to have them a revelation in year one. I just think they've got an easy schedule, and Miami's got a lot to prove to me. Yeah, they got they always have the talent. Will Tyler Van Dyke bounce back for them to be fourth or fifth best? He's going to have to. So I might swap uh, Louisville a little higher than either NC State or Miami. I'm not so sure about NC State. People really believe in Dave Doran and – yeah, he wins just about seven games every year. So that could be good enough for fourth. But they losing Drake Thomas on defense, they lost a lot of guys on defense. It's really about Brennan Armstrong. This vote for them to be fourth is about Brennan Armstrong. And if Brennan Armstrong is the real deal, then yeah, I think they would be third. I really do. Like, But is he going to regain that form under Robert and I? That's something me and Mike... Mike McDaniel talked about on the last podcast. And if he does watch out, they could be the third best team in this conference. Cause Brennan Armstrong, if he plays like he does two years ago, he's right up there with Jordan Travis in, in contention for the best quarterback in this league, in a league that I think could have a bounce back year for quarterback, something I'm going to go into in a week or two about that. Um, the cover three pod did their, ACC win totals. And that's one of my favorite things they do every year. I love that podcast. It's probably my favorite college football podcast that's out there. And so the over under they got from Caesars was five and a half for the VT win total. And I'm sad to report that every single guy on the cover three podcast went under, including the guest that paid charity to be on the show. He also went under. So uh, Tom, Danny Cannell, Chip, but they all went under the five and a half. Uh, I think some of them think it's going to be around five and potentially six, but the, they had to go under. The interesting thing, Tom added a little bit more context. He said, 
we have a 30% chance of getting to six wins. And so I at least like that. Okay, I see where you're coming from there. I would say, you know, my prediction right now is six and six. So I would say 50%. Like I'd say we have a 50% chance of hitting six and six. Is there maybe a 10% chance we win seven games? Yeah. And then a 40% chance we land under that six and six. So that that's kind of where where I would leave it. Uh, just because if I'm predicting six and six, you at least got to say it's a 50% shot. We hit that number on the nose for me personally. Recruiting wise, we did get some commits these past two weeks. Three-star QB, Keldon Ryan commits to our 2025 class. So this is our first commit in the 2025 class. He's from Fort Worth, Texas. Don't say it. I know what you're thinking. Texas to VT is back. Um, Maybe. I mean, Kyron Jones came from Texas. Now we got another QB coming from Texas. Who do you think the primary recruiter on this one was? That's right. It was Tyler Bowen. And so it actually was interesting because Tyler Bowen is the primary, but they said Brian Christ, one of our QB assistants, was heavily involved in this recruitment. So I don't know what's going on with Tyler Bowen's connections to Texas, but currently we brought in two Texas QBs, uh, at least going into 2025 if he commits. This is a long time away. So yeah, I want Keldon Ryan to get there um, and come to Tech. He's got great arm talent. He seemed like he's been planning to commit since June. He really liked when he visited here and just was waiting for his other visits to play out and stuff. But he he's a talented kid. Six foot one, 195 right now, but still young. I, like I said, three star, a 0.86 and the number 436 recruit in the country in the composite. Uh, for 2025. And you know how fluid those rankings are. He could shoot up to be a four star. He could drop down to be a lower three, but I like, I like just getting those people are thinking about coming to tech in the future. That's you, you can't hate on that. So good to get Kelvin Ryan committed to the Hokies unranked offensive lineman, Webb Davidson also committed to the Hokies Davidson. Easy for me to say six foot six, two ninety one. This is a 2024 commit. That's a big boy from uh, Macon, Georgia. Like getting a commit out of Georgia, and um, he's huge. So we'll just have to see. I about a year ago when we had Joe Rudolph getting us some commits from some maybe lower three star uh, offensive linemen. I was like, you know what? I trust Joe Rudolph's judgment, and so bring him in and let's see what happens. I feel that way about Ron Crook too. Ron Crook has been around and taking offensive line to the playoff. He's coached a lot of quality offensive lines. So I'm going to trust his judgment as well. Uh, Webb Davidson may end up getting a ranking, but being in a state as rich with talent as Georgia, even though he's unranked, I'm, I'm happy to bring him in. And I actually did want to comment on the Texas to VT thing one more time. Um, it's not about Texas. It's about out-of-state quarterbacks. You look at the, all the quarterbacks on our roster or committed to our roster. Davy Belfort's from Florida. Pop Watson, Mass- Massachusetts. Drones is Texas. Uh, they're all out-of-state. I mean, Grant Wells, West Virginia. So he's in the region. But we have not had an in-state starting quarterback since Brennan Motley. And that was back in 2015. And then you got to go back to Logan Thomas to get a long-term starter. That was from Virginia. So that that is really kind of bizarre. But quarterback's one of those things that footprint be damned. You got to go find that talent no matter what. It's the most important position on the team. And clearly, we've been doing that. Now, we did have Jason Brown in last year as a backup. He never started a game. He got a few throws. But uh, 
but yeah, so he, he doesn't really count. I was looking for a starter from Virginia and the guy was Motley who was from Christiansburg. I wanted to also comment on the coach interviews, our position coach interviews that happened on some of the other Virginia tech podcasts. Fontel minds. He went on with Billy Ray on the sons of Saturday pod. And then he also went on to the tales of the terror dome uh, with coach cheetah. So you had minds and cheetah with Dan on the tales of the terror dome. And so my, my biggest takeaway from all of those interviews was that we are so lucky to have minds and coach Jones. I mean, those guys are thoughtful, they're confident in who they are and, and what they're all about. They're cool. They're like just kind of cool dudes. They stay on message. They have a plan and clear directives from Coach Pry and what's required of them. And everyone seems to be on the same page. There's no like the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. Everyone seems to know this is my territory. This is what I do. This is what you do. And they're just stud position coaches. And what I've said so far, all that stuff I just mentioned, that's intangible stuff. The tangible stuff about Mines and Jones is that Allie Jennings isn't here without Fontel Mines. Jalen Lane isn't here without Coach Cheetah. It was their personal connections that brought them to VT. And I recommend you go listen to the interview with Dan to hear about it because it was interesting. And I think even Derek Canteen was another Coach Cheetah connection. And so those are th our three biggest portal gets. And they're all because of these two gentlemen. And so on the field, off the field, these guys, like intangible, tangible, whatever you want to say, they have it. They are stars. This is why we just paid Fontel Mines. We are lucky to have these dudes on the staff. We didn't have assistants like this on the previous staff. Recruiting studs that'll go out, find guys, motivational studs. Um, and I got some other notes on those interviews that I think you guys are really going to like. They emphasized what Pry talked about on signing day about bringing in high school team captains and guys who have won championships in high school. And the reasoning was interesting because it wasn't just that they could be good leaders for VT. It was also because those guys command respect in the state and the region. And so once they're at tech and other guys see them playing for tech and be like, Oh, I remember that dude. He was a baller. Like I, I could, I want to play at tech. Like, that guy came here. Oh, I'll, I'll go there. So that was actually an interesting thought process. I hadn't considered coach Jones specifically mentioned Braylon Johnson and how important he is knowing the history of VT, his dad playing for Virginia tech and how unique that is. Now he said last year, he asked his room, like, raise your hand. If, if you grew up rooting for Virginia tech football and only two kids raised their hand and we have not been in the limelight a lot lately. We haven't been in these big games. We haven't won big games in almost a decade. You know, other than 2016, we haven't won a whole lot. And even then we won the division. We didn't win the ACC title. We, we had to <laughs> come back from 31 points to win our ball. It was a great year, but you know what I'm saying? That was one out of uh, 10 years since 2011, 12 years since 2011, when, you know, we, we were under one loss for a long time before that Clemson loss in the, uh, in the ACC title game. And so these young kids, they don't know about tech being good and having guys like Braylon Johnson and other team captains in that locker room being like, yeah, these guys know about tech. They know about winning. This is how you set a culture. And so I really appreciated what those guys had to say regarding that. Uh, Jones also mentioned the impact Canteen has had on Dorian Strong's growth as a player and a leader, which you love to see that. I think 
you remember that one play from Dorian Strong. He makes the executive decision to kind of jump out of the way of a, of a running back or a wide receiver about to score a touchdown because it's like he's just going to get pummeled. He was a skinny young kid. Like I don't think the new Dorian Strong would do that. And so that, that's kind of what that growth, that leadership, um, that, that I love to hear that. He talked about Felton and how grateful Felton is to be at Tech and how hard he's working to make the most of this opportunity coming from FCS. I think Felton could have a really nice year for us. <laughs> and then Mines also mentioned uh, they had a jugs competition among the wide receivers and that he had three receivers caught 11,000 balls this summer as part of the jugs competition. Now, I don't know if he meant collectively or individually because 11,000 catches is a lot of catches. Like, do the math on that per day over a summer period. Like, that's insane. But his point was the standard for what's expected of how you work when you come to Virginia Tech at his position group and just any position group has been raised. The standard has been raised. Um, and then one of the final notes I had from that interview was Tucker Holloway has put on some really good weight and that he, Lofton, and Gosnell are three of the hardest working guys on the team. And, and remarked again about Gosnell's offseason, you know, one of the hardest working guys, uh, one of the best offseasons he's seen. He's a totally new player. So that is exciting. Our wide receiver room in general, I talked a lot about the wide receivers because Montel Fontel was on those shows, but I Wells is gonna have guys to throw to, like a good four or five guys to throw to this year. And if he can't, if it's the same Grant Wells, drones is gonna be playing real quick because he really has dudes now, especially add in Tootin, um, you know, and, and Malachi being back healthy, it, there's weapons. JC price went on Billy's podcast as well. It was as him and Billy just talking. It was a short and sweet interview, really enjoyed it. Uh, JC talked about how they have just one defensive lineman from the last two recruiting classes. And that's Cole Nelson. Uh, and we all know how busy the transfer portal was with some of those Texas guys that played DN that bounced and J. JC actually said that one class got quote unquote kicked off campus. I, I never heard that. That's the term he used is uh, about one of those recruiting classes getting kicked off campus. So who knows, but the gap between the defensive tackles and their veteran presence and their age and the young guys on this D line, that's been hard to coach. And that will be continue to be hard to coach as they go into fall camp right now. That's something he commented on. Uh, there was just some other uh, fun notes in there that, that JC was married at war war Memorial. Like he is Virginia tech. He doesn't bleed orange and maroon. Like he is orange and maroon. I love JC. I love, just love listening to him talk. He said, Jordan McDonald is going to turn heads at defensive end this year. That's when Billy was kind of asking him, give, give us some sleepers. And so the McDonald brothers, they're big dudes and prize been talking about them too. So now that JC saying it, I like that because we need defensive end help. Five solid defensive ends is what JC said. I, I don't know if I believe that. Uh, he mentioned APR coming in. That's Antoine Powell-Ryland. You know, you got McCray, you got Nelson, McDonald, right? Uh, is it going to be Feldarius Payne? Like who who else is going to step up at that position? Uh, we shall see, but we need a pass rush. We need improvement there. Robbie always talks about it, but... I, you know, our statistics on the defensive line, it may not have been noticeable to people, but the advanced stuff, the D-line was greatly improved last year under Pry, JC, and Marv. They, in terms of the yards of penetration they got, they're all this, you can go on a football 
outsiders and check this stuff. But like from 2021 to 2022, there was actually significant improvement on the D line. And so I'm hoping that continues this year. Uh, by name, JC mentioned Tootin. He mentioned Canteen and how everybody loves that guy, quote unquote. Brian Holbrook, one of our listeners and one of the Sons of Saturday listeners, he sent in a question to JC about the celebration on Bourbon Street that you'll hear in our intro. And I love that. That was that was an amazing question to ask. JC pretty much dodged it. He he left it where it was, but thank you, Brian, for asking the question. And then um, he mentioned Ric Flair at the end of the interview. So you got to love that. Woo! Who doesn't love a guy who loves Ric Flair? So go listen to those interviews. Sons of Saturday podcast. Make sure you subscribe to that. Dan is always getting good interviews over on Tales of the Terror Dome. You know, we're not affiliated with Dan, but Dan's a cool dude. He came on our pod and uh, he gets... He gets really good interviews, so uh, go listen to those. And as far as other podcasts go, The Boundary Corner is doing a preseason panel. August 15th, I am honored to be a member of that panel. There's going to be D. Cunna and Billy and Dwight Vick and Mike McDaniel and blah, 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 blah. The guys from Boundary Corner, obviously. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun, going to be a lot of different topics. Brian uh, has been in correspondence with me about that. They're doing a good job putting that together, so... That will be fun. August 15th, the Boundary Corner uh, preseason panel. I did do a retweet if you want to check that out. As far as fall camp goes, it started yesterday. Not too much from day one. We got some videos of some receivers making some plays. There was a couple reports about Jennings, maybe Lane looking good. Again, receivers, receivers, receivers. Hearing a lot about those guys, and that's what I want. I, I want playmakers on the outside. That's one of the most important positions these days in college football. You need receivers that can make plays. So that was good to hear. I will be bringing you more fall camp notes as August rolls on. The next episode I'm going to do is going to be something really fun. I think you guys are going to like. I'm going to give some of my old friends from college a call in this format, and they're going to enter the chat. And some of them are huge diehard fans still. Some of them are parents. Some of them you know, tune in every once in a while, but I wanted to get their different perspectives, maybe hear some old college stories and just how they feel about the program right now, kind of maybe being a more casual fan or maybe not being such a casual fan. So that's what I'm going to bring you next. Then we're doing our own show. When Robbie gets back from vacation, we got a couple really good guests to come on. We're hoping, you know, sometimes these things fall apart, but we could have an amazing show for you in two weeks. We're look, looking forward to that. We'll be doing our season preview. Uh, it's going to be a really good month leading up to the opener against ODU. Gosh, we're so close. We're, we're a month away. I mean, it's August 3rd, I want to say. So we're, we are less than a month away right now from Virginia Tech football, and I'm jacked up about it. But anyway, you can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2 dvt. It's 2DVT uh, on Instagram. It's 2DVT at gmail.com if you want to email us anything. And that's going to do it for the podcast today. Make sure to use the code on Compass Coffee. It's 2DVT. Uh, put in a big order. The What was I going to say? Oh, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're, we're on all those places. And until next time, go Hokies.